you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by none other than Lorraine Siegel. Welcome, Lorraine. Oh, thank you, Mads. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. The pleasure is all mine. The pleasure is all mine. We have not bumped into conflict yet. However, there's always time. There's always time. But before we jump in to the amazing topic of conflict, uh, would you mind giving the audience a little bit of background to who you are and how you ended up where you are right now? Oh, sure. Well, it's kind of an interesting story, which which I also wrote about in, in the memoir I have that's coming out soon. Um, I was a tenured professor in a community college for 30 years, actually. Uh, well, teaching it 30 years. I was there 20 years. And um, uh, it was a pretty amazing place in some ways, but I was also bullied and mobbed and um, ended up with PTSD and escaped from academia. I was, while I was still there, I was um, praying and hoping to find a new career path and discovered um, conflict resolution as it was called then and started studying it, fell in love with the field and eventually successfully escaped from academia and started my own business, Conflict Remedy. And I specialized, understandably enough, in workplace conflict and um, started helping leaders and others um, not be so terrified of conflict and find better ways to navigate it gracefully. I do training and coaching, and I write a blog about it um, at my Conflict Remedy website, which is also a lot of fun. That does sound like a lot of fun. That does sound like a lot of fun. So tell me a little bit more about conflict. Like what, what is the conflict that people experience and what, why do they struggle with it? Well, I think um, the most important thing is, well, there's a couple. One is people are, think that if there's conflict that they're doing something wrong and making some terrible mistakes. And the truth is that as, as you were saying before we um, started this um, interview, conflict is a part of being human. When there's groups of people, we, we like to eat, we like to gossip, and there's conflict. So I think reframing conflict as um, a part of what happens between humans is really useful. And it's not always a bad thing. We think of um, emotional conflict or interpersonal conflict, which is can be very destructive. But if you think of a group of people who have the same goal for their company or their work group or whatever, or their entrepreneurial vision, and they have different ideas about the best way to get there, that kind of conflict intention can actually fuel creativity. Yeah, I, I totally see that. And again, like how, how, how do you work with it? How do you operate with it as a business owner? Like, how do you encourage healthy conflict without encouraging unhealthy conflict? Well, uh, I I do it several ways. I get called into companies to do what I call putting out fires. So there's some kind of huge conflict going on and in desperation, they call me. 
So um, what I do in those situations is I, I w usually work with people individually because one of my favorite themes is that a lot of conflict is based on the stories that we're telling about ourselves, about the situation, about the other person. And um, if I can help them kind of expand the story or realize that what they think is the truth about the conflict and what they will look what they did to me and all of those kinds of things, when I can gently expand that, yeah, I understand why you're upset, but let's see if there's other ways of looking at it. Actually, what it does is it softens their hearts and they go, oh, wow, maybe they were just doodling along their own way and not trying to destroy me. Um, and then having people talk about what went on differently um, and listen to the other person can absolutely transform things. Now, there are toxic people that this doesn't work with, but that isn't what most people are like. So it, it's very helpful. Now, my actual preference, I love it when I can help them and they have light bulbs go off and, you know, and it's like happy endings. I, I have lots of happy endings in my practice. But my actual favorite thing to do is, is get into organizations or corporations before there's some kind of major conflict and train them all in good communication skills, in self-reflection of, oh, that's the story my little brain is telling, but I wonder what's really going on with them. Can I ask them? Can I reframe it, et cetera? So training and individual coaching are, are tons of fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I have a very common saying that, that people hear me say a lot, which is very, very few people wake up in the morning and want to be a horrible human being, right? <laughs> They do. I mean, I, I mean, even you see business owners are like, yeah, this person just shows up and doesn't want to do a good job. And I'm like, nope. I mean, people no. don't wake up in the morning and say, I want to go to work and do a bad job today. Like, exactly. Just, it just doesn't happen, <laughs> right? So if people yeah. aren't doing a great job, they either don't have the training or there's, there's something exactly. missing there's somehow. Exactly. There's a piece. There's yeah. a piece missing for them. And that's something I ask. What If, if you assume that people want to do a good job, What's preventing them? What misunderstandings, what lack of skill or knowledge is stopping them from, from doing that good job? I, I, um, I was coaching a, a woman who was head of HR in a nonprofit, and um, she was actually being bullied by the people, her direct reports, the people that she had to deal with, and her CEO didn't recognize it, and we did some work on that and it helped her. But then she had to write evaluations of all these people, of what they were doing right with. And she she couldn't do it by herself because she was still so mad and triggered. And yeah. so we went through and she was saying all these things about them. They don't like, you know, what you were saying. They just don't want to do a good job. And I said, is that true? How do you know? What could be going on? What's missing? What do they need? All those kinds of things. And she said she always wanted me there to write her evaluations from then on to ask those questions. It, it's, I mean, for me, it's a life skill though. Like you, you, when when you start learning and understanding other people, when you start focusing, and for me, it's about focusing on people's intents instead of their outcome, right? Because every single time I hear someone saying someone did something to me, I'm always like, no. 
no one ever does anything to you. People do things for their own reasons, and sometimes it negatively influences you. But no one on the planet ever does anything to you. Now, you might like them, like you might put yourself in a situation where you feel like that. That does not mean it's the truth, right? So in the end of the day, no one does anything to me, even to you or to, to anyone, right? Like even if, if I'm in a bar and someone punches me in the face, someone punched me in the face. They didn't make me angry. They didn't make me unhappy. They punched me in the face. Mm. The reaction to it, even, and this, this sounds absurd to most people, but, but when you actually start looking into these things, like the actual reaction, like how you react to a situation like that is 100% your choice, right? And exactly. The se- the, yeah, the, the event you- plus your reaction equals the outcome. Is Yeah. yeah. And, and the second you let someone else determine how you feel, you're mm-hmm. giving everyone else control, right? Yes. And that's uh, like, for example, as you said, when you've been through being bullied, for example, I mean, it, it sounds horrible because it's a horrible situation to be in. Uh, but reality is bullies function and operate based on your reaction, right? So the, the thing is, they're always oh. looking for reaction. And that's why they do what they do, right? Yeah. Now, it, I think that that's part of it. However, um, the reasons that people get mobbed in academia or in corporations or whatever, uh, there's more to it because, for example, I was different from these people. I was the only Jewish lesbian there. I was outspoken about helping the institution stand up for the the principle, wanting the institution to follow the principles that they claim to profess. I stood up for different minority groups, et cetera. And I was super good at what I did and creative and competent. And I was a threat and a change agent. And they actually did want to destroy me, discredit me, et cetera. Because then if if they didn't, they would have to change and they didn't want to. So it was, you know, certainly I had some reactions that weren't helpful, but Wow, I tried a lot of things to, you know, look at my part to change that. But when there is a sense that you are the enemy, um, there's only so much you can do from being the person being bullied and mobbed to um, to shift it. And there's other things you cannot change an institutional climate. Yeah. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we're all human, right? I mean, that's I think that's one of the key things, right? And and it's it's obviously sad when things like that happen. Um, mm-hmm. It's always horrible situations, um, but it's yeah. yeah, it is part of. But I wanted to go back to something you said about intentions, because that's one of the things, one of the aspects of conflict and conflict transformation that I deal with. Because our intent, you know, people's intentions are generally, as you were saying, are generally not bad. Uh, Sometimes they are, but generally they're not. However, if our intentions are good, and we do something that has a really bad impact on someone, we don't get a free pass. (laughs) We have to look at our part of what we did, and how it was subject to misinterpretation or how it was harmful. And that's part of the transformation that happens around conflict too. Yeah, I I love that. I mean, one of the things, I mean, by nature, 
particularly people like myself who are very detail oriented and nerdy are not particularly great at uh, <laughs> at, at saying sorry. And it took me, yeah. I mean, I would say years to actually learn to say sorry instead of arguing my point and saying, oh, well, I did it because this and this and this. And, you know, sometimes all you need to do is say, I'm sorry. Right. And that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Explaining things and digging yourself into a bigger hole. Like in the end of the day, how you made the person feel does not change. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I've been around people where, you know, pretty much anything I do make them feel really sad. And then, you know, at some point you got to make a choice and say, you know, do you want to be part of this? But um, in, in the end of the day, like you, you have to learn to take responsibility for your own actions. And not being good at saying I'm sorry is not limited to nerds or it's it's very, very few people are are able to do that very gracefully without because and I I think that part of it, this is also something I write about, is because people feel like if they admit they made a mistake, then it means they're going to be annihilated. There, there's been so little space for many of us in our upbringings in our culture to say, yeah, I made a mistake, that we think admitting it means we'll get fired, we'll be scorned, we, you know, it's the end of the road for us. And I think, and one of the things I teach is that that's not true, that mistakes are part of being human. Um, And and very often, honestly, it can build a stronger bond. Like I've seen so many people who have been, you know, not very not on very friendly terms who you know when they finally sit down talk it out and so on they actually build a a stronger bond than they ever had previously absolutely Um, so that and i've seen that happen multiple times right so me too yeah that's definitely yeah worth considering let's say absolutely and um you know it's so it's so interesting you made me think of two um, C-suite people that I worked with. Uh, one was the head of technology and one was, I can't remember now what her title was, but um, she, at one point, the woman was saying how that she truly respected this man. And I asked her, I said, do you think he knows that? And she said, no, he doesn't know that. Because she hadn't communicated in a way that, and I said, you need to tell him. (laughs) And that was part, you know, I had, I gave them each assignments from the individual work we'd done of things they, if they were willing to tell the other person. And it was so powerful. And it did, as you say, create a stronger bond between them than I would have had if they hadn't gone through that difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a conflict is interesting. Conflict is interesting. Well, what's typically the biggest sort of challenges you see with the conflict? Like where where, where does people fall down and, and what are some of the key things that they can they can learn to do better or differently? Let's say that one. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it has to do with misunderstanding. Misunderstanding conflict, misunderstanding each other, not recognizing that they're telling a story. Um, that is their version of what's going on and not recognizing that there's other versions. Sometimes it's really communication that they don't know how to say their good intentions in a way that's heard and that creates conflict. I I was thinking of um, 
another, I, I, for some reason, even though I'm not a highly technical person, I've worked with a number of tech people and have a, you know, sympathy and rapport with them. And I worked for one man who was very, he was um, a, a, a IT guy for a big uh, government agency. And he, um, his, his boss liked him. He was hardworking and everything, but the, the customers, the clients, you know, the people he was helping hated him and complained multiple times about him. And, and I thought, oh, he's probably one of those arrogant jerks, blah, blah, blah. And then when I talked to him, he was the most delightful, sweet person. And what it was, was he didn't know how to communicate with them. So he would do something for them and he'd send them a one word email, done. And, and we talked about uh, having a sandwich that you start out by saying, hey, uh, I fixed the DDDDD and, and it's done. And if you run into any more problems or have questions, let me know, take care. And he, he just had no concept of it. He just thought you said, and it really helped him. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, so I spend a lot of time with sort of personalities and behaviors and stuff like that, because that's uh, like, particularly in recruitment and so on, that's that's extremely valuable, right? And uh, yeah, it's like just the, the difference in how people communicate is so big. I think sometimes, you know, you can teach people certain things, but Actually, what I find the most important is teaching people to understand how they come across to others more than necessarily trying to always like fix them, if you will, because there's certain things that are just very ingrained in our nature, right? And, and uh, sometimes you can change it, but but I think if people understand how they actually come across to other humans, that's actually where I often see the biggest value, right? Because when they understand and when they see how other people look at them, uh, they, they, they won't necessarily change everything. And that's not the goal. But as I always say, if you just get a little bit closer, if you communicate a little bit more similar to someone that's very different from you, then that's a big step, right? Because in the end of the day, um, humans are very different, right? And we communicate. I mean, some people literally cannot lift up the phone and have a phone call where some people you know are the total opposite they you know they will do everything on planet earth to never have to write an email because <laughs> they would never read one anyway uh, some of them don't even know what an email is right and and it's so like actually learning like the different communication ways and how people think and behave differently just makes such a huge difference for me at least when it comes to communication and just yes. understanding conflict in general. You've hit on a, a one key factor is you know understanding how other people perceive you, and another one that's really important that I'm always working on people with is listening, listening with curiosity instead of. Um, you know, reacting or instead of making up those stories, well, they're insulting me, blah, 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 of being curious. I wonder why they said that. I wonder why they're not doing X. And when you come from a place of I'm okay and I can be curious about what's going on with them, it makes a huge difference as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. 
it's it's fun to see as well, right? Like how different people approach it differently. So I've, I've seen a few people in conflict resolution and I also have a couple of friends that worked at negotiator sort of uh, what you call it, professional negotiators or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very, very interesting to just see how different people can approach the exact same thing, right? I, I guess you see the same in your job. Right? On a oh, basis. absolutely. And I kind of carved out my own path in conflict. Uh, I call it conflict transformation now because that really fits what I do. Because um, I I do all kinds of things. Like I, I, I give people affirmations and if they're, you know, or prayers, depending on, you know, their approach to do to help them forgive other people because forgiveness is a big part of um, managing conflict because if you're holding a grudge, you're not gonna be able to resolve the conflict. And I also sometimes do inner child work with people because who's the one who's so mad? It's usually not the 45 year old, it's the five year old. I'm gonna take my toys and go home. And um, so some of that is, I, I sort of you know figured out my own approach of what felt more holistic to me that took, it wasn't formulaic, that took into account people's feelings and um, who they are. And that helps as well. And the whole thing about, you know, we were talking before the interview about mistakes. And I talk a lot about mistakes. And I wrote about this in my memoir, too. Um, And I actually, is there there time for me to tell you a little story about mistakes? Of course. When I was a, t- a teacher, I taught a professor. I taught English as a second language, and my students, for the most part, at the place I was tenured, were poor immigrants. You know, who were trying to make a better life for themselves, trying to learn English as part of that, and they had a lot of shame that somehow they should be better, they should know more, and so I started talking to them about mistakes the first week of the semester. And I would I would say to them, this was one of my favorite parts to write in the memoir, Angels and Earthworms also. Well, what I would say to them is, I wanna to talk to you about mistakes. And they'd kind of look up because they hadn't heard a teacher say that. And I'd say, you could sit in class all semester and not write anything and not say anything and you wouldn't make any mistakes. And their eyes would get kind of big. And I would say, do you think that would be the best use of your time? Do you think you would actually be um, getting as much out of class as you could? And they'd say, no. I'd say, that's because it's human to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. It's how we humans learn. I make mistakes every day. And I encourage you to make lots of mistakes too. And (laughs) that helps me every day for myself and for my clients now. And uh, I'm really, I always feel good that I said that to them. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Any amazing resources that you can recommend for people if they are, you know, if they are in a conflict situation or if they want to get better at conflict resolution or the likes. Like if you're a small business owner right now, you know, and you're feeling conflict somehow, what's the right steps and what's the best resources? Well, I want to invite everyone um, to visit my 
my uh, website and sign up for my blog. It's at conflictremedy.com. I have over 150 blog posts on conflict and managing and um, forgiveness and clear communication. Uh, the one that just dropped yesterday is on uh, turning mistakes into stories. <laughs> Someone was interviewing me about the memoir and she asked me, how did you learn to turn your mistakes into stories? Which I thought was just such a delightful uh, question. And you know, so I would start by educating yourself, reading. There's a lot of resources on my website um, for that. And um, I do free consults, short free consults with business owners to see if we can, you know, kind of get a handle on what the conflict is and how I might be able to help. So they can reach out to me through the website. And um, yeah, that's that's what comes to mind first. And I mention other books and things in my in my blog posts as well. Perfect, perfect, Lorraine. And uh, what about the contact details? So if people are listening here and they're eager to get hold of you, what's the what's the best place to do so? Well, I'm going to give them two. One is through my website, which is conflictremedy.com. And there's a contact form on that. That's where you can find my blog and sign up for my newsletter. And I also send a free article out called The High Cost of Conflict, which is for if people want to get help in their um, businesses or their companies and they're trying to convince someone else the value of it. It talks about conflict in the bottom line of all the invisible costs that conflict brings if it's unresolved, especially if it keeps continuing. So that's a big recommendation. And if people are interested in my memoir, Angels and Earthworms, An Unexpected Journey to Joy, Love, and Miracles, um, they can sign up for updates. It's going to be out next month. And, and that's bookling, as in ducklingpress.com. Fantastic, fantastic. Lorraine, thank you very much for sharing all your knowledge and your expertise today. That was uh, fantastic talking with you. And thanks for all your knowledge and wisdom that you've shared oh thank you so much Mads. it was a fun conversation so i appreciate your having me on fantastic and to the audience thank you very much for listening with us here all the way to the end we'll be back again next week thank you for listening to the mad singers management podcast please leave a review it means the world to us you can also learn more about management at madsingers.com